Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside pretty much all the time that we could manage. Joe lived on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest and my parents would drop me off in the morning and we'd stay in the woods pretty much all weekend. We'd only come out for school and we loved pretending that we were frontiersmen. We would build shelters, traps, practice making fire with sticks, the whole nine yards. When we got to be in high school, we actually got this notion to pull a stand by me. This was based on the movie of the same name that had just come out. The idea was that we would walk the railroad tracks out in the country, but instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find cool bridges to fish from and camp a little ways off the tracks. Of course, we knew that this was dangerous and we'd likely be trespassing even, but we were kids and stupid. But we actually had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers and we discovered bridges that no one went to. We fished, we hid from trains, and at night we camped in the woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever really happened. In fact, it was pretty idyllic. It was so much fun that we did it multiple times. Never had a problem. After high school, though, me and Joe went our own ways. We both left home but always stayed in touch and always tried to coordinate visits so that we'd see each other occasionally. And well, one summer in the mid-90s, it worked out that we were both in town for about a week. We'd do stuff with the family in the day, and at night we'd either catch drinks at a bar or sit outside Joe's house around a fire and talk about the old days. But one night, me and Joe got to talking about our stand-by-me trips. And well, nostalgia and beer are a heck of a mix, right? 
and soon we decided to take a day and walk the trails, camp one night and walk home. The day came and we started out early morning. We had my wife drop us off in our old spot where we used to start, right outside of our hometown. She thought that this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention it. When she pulled away, Joe suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we take the opposite direction, just to be adventurous. We knew the land well, we had a map, so I gave a, yeah, what the heck, and off we set. The day went fine, it was fun and a little sad too, but in a good way. We found a bridge and sat on the edge, smoked a bit, and then we moved on. We had no fishing gear, but we brought some canned food and some other stuff. Before night started to set in, we picked a spot to camp. It was a thick forested area, trees on every side of the train track, so you felt like you were in a tunnel. We had brought some small hammocks to sleep on, but before we set them up, we decided to do a little bit of scouting of the perimeter. Now, this is what we used to do in the old days too. We'd walk around the area a little bit to make sure that some dude's house wasn't just over the hill and we were actually camping in the yard or something. We walked maybe, a, I would say, a hundred or so feet into the woods and up a small incline. We figured that if we didn't see anything from on top of this short hill that we'd be fine. But when we got to the top, we saw an old building down at the bottom, about a hundred yards into the woods. It was barely visible, but we could definitely see it. We pondered over what to do, and we both assumed that it was probably just a sugar shack or something, because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it either. All was quiet, but no movement could be seen, and no lights. So... But we decided to walk a little closer, just to make sure. We came down the hill pretty slowly, and as we neared the building, we saw that it wasn't a sugar shack at all. It was a, an old church by the looks of it. It looked like it had been abandoned for years. It was a, a squat, sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from years of moss and rot. A cross still stood on top of the place, also weathered and black. None of the windows had glass and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough though to see inside. There were rows of pews and a built-up section in front for a preacher to stand on. We didn't go all the way in, we really didn't want to. Beyond all that though, there was no sign of anyone else. There were no footprints, no paths, no roads. It was an abandoned church. We left immediately though and we went back up the hill to our spot that we had picked to camp. Having a hill between us and the church made us feel better but we were still a little bit uneasy I'll admit. We chalked it up to the natural creepiness seeing a church in the middle of the woods would elicit. Besides, at this point it was dusk and we just decided to rig out our hammocks and go to sleep and move on at early morning. Night set in and as we lay in our hammocks and shot the breeze, we began to hear something in the direction of the church. And our conversation about it went a little like this. Hey, uh, do you hear that? Yeah, what is that? It kind of sounds like uh, maybe people singing? And it did sound just like singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. Finally, we decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move pretty quietly in the woods, based on the old days and all of our work there. 
it was honestly kind of second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided just enough light so that you wouldn't walk right into a tree or something, but it was near pitch black. We didn't use flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill, and we didn't talk. But when we got to the top, we saw a light in the distance, and it was coming from that church, and the singing was coming from inside as well. Joe and I put our heads close together and we had a hushed conversation that boiled down to, can you believe this? The light looked to be candlelight from the way it flickered, and though we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but maybe in another language? We sat and watched for a while, trying to see who was in there, but we only saw occasional shadows. We had no intentions of getting closer either. We had about a football field between us, and we aimed to keep it that way. The singing continued for a bit, and then it just stopped. After that, a, a booming male voice began to chant. I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared me. It sounded like some sort of a, an Old Testament preacher you see in the movies, but again, it was like he was speaking in a different language, because we couldn't understand a single word that he was saying. Eventually it got to where the single male voice would say something and then a bunch of voices would answer in the song. This lasted for a while as well and then they all broke into this long but sustained wail that just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I covered my ears and then it just stopped. At this point I was getting ready to say, hey man let's get out of here when Joe put a hand on my shoulder and hissed, Shh, they're coming out, man. We were far enough away that we couldn't make them out really well, but what we could see was a, a line of figures walk out the open doorway, all holding hands in a single file. We could see some of them had flashlights, and they began to sing again, and the light from the flashlights began to move toward us and the hill. As soon as we saw that, we booked it back to our campsite, grabbed our stuff and we ran straight to the tracks. Once there, we ran down the tracks in the direction that we had come from. After a few minutes, we stopped and looked back and we saw lights coming down the hill, but they were moving sort of erratically like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and came to a road. By our map, we knew that a small town was about 15 minutes down it and we walked there got to a 24-hour gas station and called my wife to come and get us. My wife and other friends all just thought it was kids messing around, but I heard those voices and they sure as heck didn't sound like kids to me. I'm not really sure who those people were, but it was definitely the creepiest thing that's happened to me out in the woods. This happened a few years back when I was in undergrad. I attended a school that is several hundred years old, like before United States was an independent country old, and as such, a lot of the campus and the surrounding town are reportedly haunted. In my freshman year, I lived in one of the oldest dorms in the campus. I had heard stories of various hauntings since before I applied, but I never expected anything to actually happen to me. But a few weeks into the semester, things started happening. The closet doors would just fly open, 
books would fall off desks, posters would fall off the wall continuously, that sort of thing. It was infrequent at first, but as the weeks went on, it got so frequent and brazen that Jim, as we called him, would move things several times a week and start waking us up in the middle of the night. My roommate and I were understandably unnerved, but we didn't know for sure that it was a, a ghost. I mean, we never actually saw things move. We were always at computers or desks and just looking somewhere else, so we only saw the aftermath. And so we decided to try and gather some proof. We bought a camera and we set it up to where we would have a view of the whole room. We had it there for over a week and in that span, nothing happened. My roommate got frustrated and turned off the camera one night. And that very same night, we woke up to a crash and saw the camera had fallen off the dresser and broken. Which meant that he had waited for us to turn the camera on. And we were certain at that moment that we definitely had a third roommate with us. After that, things kind of calmed down for a bit. But things still moved, but only every couple of weeks now and very rarely at night. The next year too, we talked to the people who lived in the room now and they said that they were experiencing the same kind of things. And so we know that it wasn't just us imagining things. I grew up in the Midwest US. When I was a senior in high school, I was out for a hike at a local trail in the National Forest. This was a good 20 miles from town, way out in the sticks. It's a box canyon, so you sort of start at the rim and hike down into the canyon. It was autumn and late afternoon when I pulled into the empty parking area, but there was plenty of light still. By the time that I got to the bottom of the canyon, the sun was getting pretty low. I was down in the canyon and got that feeling that something just wasn't right. I started looking behind me as I walked every few steps because I just couldn't shake this feeling. Finally though, on one of these backward glances, I spotted a man picking up from behind a tree. Not far at all, maybe a hundred feet away if I had to guess. It was the, the weirdest thing too to catch a guy watching me out in the middle of nowhere. He knew that I'd seen him though and stepped out saying, sorry I didn't want to scare you. He was an adult man, I was a scrawny 17 year old kid. We were on the trail in a public park where there was really no reason to hide. I wouldn't have been surprised or even alarmed to have seen another hiker there in fact, unless they were acting like a creep like this guy was. I mumbled something about getting back to my car and started to head back toward the parking area, leaving him standing there. As soon as I got out of view though, I ran all the way back to the parking area where there were no cars other than mine, which obviously added to the weirdness. I realized that it's entirely possible that he was on foot and possibly lived near the trailhead or something as there were houses out there, but... It's interesting how you just get that sensation when you're being watched and it often turns out to be true like that. I don't know what he was doing following me though, but that's the weird part I guess. I guess the moral of the story though is that if you see someone hiking alone, try not to be a creep. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So, this happened when I was 19 and in the summertime. I'm 30 now. I had just gotten into my first serious relationship with a girl and because of that I was constantly hanging out at her place as her mum worked at a retail store late at night. I would generally go over on her mum's super late shift so that she wouldn't be home alone, which her mum actually appreciated as they lived out in a new development and because of that, people would generally break into houses being built to steal copper pipes and lumber and work gear or stuff like that, or just burglarize new homes, period. Anyway, on this particular night, her mum had gotten back at around 3 or 4 and I had the next day off of work. We hadn't been drinking and no smoking or any drugs of any kind, just sort of hanging out. Once her mum got home, I needed to head back home and I was living with my parents at the time as I had just started college. When I finally got home, I noticed that the blinds in our dining room were open, which my parents hated. To give you a rough layout of the house though, when you first walk in, there's a, a big hall that runs from the front door to the back door or the living room. In the middle of this hall, you find a dining room to the right with a giant window that overlooks like the street to the right of the house. It's actually a corner house, and to the left is a big straight staircase that leads to my parents' bedroom and the other two rooms. When the blinds are open in the dining room at night, this giant streetlight shines the brightness of a thousand suns and goes straight into my parents' bedroom, and is really annoying for them as their bed gets all of the light. My dad told me that if I ever stayed up late or came home late to be sure that the blinds were closed... Otherwise, there would be trouble as he would have to wake up and go downstairs and close them and he works early, and I mean really early in the morning. They almost always sleep with the door open too, which is another point. Anyway, so I had gotten home and noticed the blinds were open like I said. I walked into the dining room and saw the silhouette of a person standing in front of the blinds and I assumed it was my dad. I quickly start apologizing that I forgot to close them and I hear nothing and see this silhouette move across the window towards the opposite end of the window where the light switch is. 
I call out my dad's name once more, and I get no answer, and then I get this horrible, horrible feeling of just dread, and immediately beat the shadow silhouette to the punch and flick the light switch, turning the overhead lights on. And there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. I immediately get sick to my stomach with fear, slam the blinds closed, and I ran to my bedroom. I bring this up to my family the next morning at breakfast, and one by one, my family all admits to have seen the same thing at some point in the past month or two. Without going into too much detail, the gist is that we had all seen this shadow but didn't really tell anyone as we assumed it was just us being tired, still waking up from sleep or something else. But the following things had allegedly happened. So my brother had gotten home from a graveyard shift and grabbed some dinner from the fridge, headed upstairs to his bedroom which was next to my parents. He didn't want to wake my parents from the staircase light. He was looking down so he didn't trip on the stairs and then he walked into something. He assumed it was my dad as it was barefoot but he said the feet were ink black. And when he looked up, he saw nothing. He ran upstairs after that, slammed his door and ate his dinner and then just went to bed in terror. My sister who was maybe 10 at the time woke up from a shadow sitting on her bed she said that she thought it was my dad, and when she called out dad, she got no answer. This scared her so bad that she grabbed the flashlight on a nightstand, which oddly enough was given to her by my dad to fight ghosts. Turned it on, and nothing. After that, she said that she ran to my mum, but that it was chalked up to just a bad dream. My mum had actually woken up in the middle of the night one night and saw a shadow in the corner of their bedroom, sitting on a large high-backed chair that my dad sits on to read sometimes or do work on his laptop. She walked up to the chair to tell him to go to bed, and when he didn't reply, she turned around and saw my dad was sleeping in the bed still, and she looked back and the figure in the chair was now gone. And lastly, my father, who again works really early, got to his office at work, He's always the first one there as he's the big boss man. He starts walking around his office turning the lights on and I noticed a shadowy figure in one of the halls where his employees worked. Being someone who doesn't really mess around with people potentially breaking into either his workplace or his house, he ran towards it calling it out and said that it just darted down a hallway that had only one exit, an emergency exit that would have set off an alarm and he never saw it. He never brought this up for reasons that I'm not really sure, but I know that he's not really a believer of the paranormal or anything, but I do know that that's one of the few things that he finds in his own words as odd. After all of this though, my mum had called our local Catholic priest to come and bless the house, and we never saw that shadow thing again after that. I'm not sure why, but I do know that the one thing that we all felt was the way it looked. I can still sort of picture it in my head as well. It was definitely male, tall and thin and broad shoulders. I don't know how my parents felt when they were near it, but I always felt sick and sort of terrified and just overall dread. Anyway, so that's my story and you can choose to believe me if you want to or not, but I swear to you that everything that I've just said is 100% the truth.
So I applied on a job website recently for a serving position at a restaurant. I was contacted by someone through the messaging option through the site. The place was a, a Burmese restaurant. I ended up googling the address and found where it was. The next day the person messaging me told me an address that didn't show up on Google. I thought it was odd but oh well. Today the interview was at 9am. The restaurant being open this early was surprising to me I must admit. I use Google Maps and find the location though. I'm always early and boy am I glad that I was. The location was not even open for business. The paper on the door said that the restaurant is opening in April and it had a completely different name than the ad had stated. I looked inside and the building looked abandoned and was also really dilapidated. Okay, pretty weird I'll admit. I stand off to the side to scope because I'm having a very very bad feeling that this may be some sort of a setup trap to lure a person or a girl like me into a place for an attack. And then I notice a man who looks to be high on a stimulant, wearing nice clothing, just sort of watching me. He smiles and laughs and then does this bird whistle and goes to the side of the restaurant. A few minutes later, a man in an Audi SUV shows up, looks at me, starts laughing and meets up with the first guy. They're both around the side and I start wondering if there is a door to get in that way that I didn't know about. I start hearing the men bird whistling and, to my terror, I hear multiple other bird whistles coming from all around the block, but I don't see anyone. How many people are out there and why are they hiding like this? I get freaked out. I was going to tell the interviewer to do the interview outside because if I get locked in there, I know that I'm stuck. But in the end, I ended up trusting my intuition and I just got out of there. Nothing bad happened luckily because I decided to trust my gut. But I just wanted to share this because I'm really unsure as to what to do next because, well, nothing really happened. I don't know really how to approach this without technical evidence or something at least to give the cops. I want to contact the job website or police to look into it but I just feel like they're not really going to care. So this encounter was about two years ago when my two older cousins came to visit me. I have a decent sized house with a very long hallway. It's about three o'clock around the time that I wake up and I really needed to use the bathroom so I get up and slowly walk my way to the bathroom. And when I do I hear talking in the living room and I'm thinking to myself, dang, mum and dad are still awake? Well, uh, I guess I'll go say goodnight one more time and tell them that I love them. So, as I finish using the bathroom, I start walking down my extremely long hallway. My grey cat blocks the hallway and she starts growling in a sort of low tone and turns and hisses towards the living room. I just shake it off because she always gets defensive when my cousins stay at my house. As I'm walking to the living room, I see it's really bright in there, like as if all the lights were on and they had flashlights or something. And then I hear some static, but I just thought that they had an error with the cable or something. But boy, was I very wrong. Because just as I pass my front door, I see three all-white static-like beings standing in front of the TV, just sort of staring at it. I stared in horror and I thought my mind was playing tricks on me. 
but without the static people noticing me, I grabbed my cat and ran back to my room and I locked the door. I don't know what those things were or what all of this is about, but no one seems to believe me about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For weeks, somebody has been watching me. Someone in a, a black truck. And honestly, I haven't thought much of it until everything just started coming to light and started making more sense. A few weeks ago, I, I noticed. I drive to my friend's house, she lives in the city, and across the street from her house directly is a popular bank. There, a black truck with its headlights on bright would sit. It would stay and wait. I remember thinking, why in the world do you have your brights on like that? The brights would illuminate the driveway to her home. It was almost blinding when I would get out of my car and walk to her porch. It annoyed me how bright it was, even across a highway. It started happening more frequently, but I didn't think much of it. I thought maybe it was a, a different vehicle or it was someone waiting on another person. But then I began to get paranoid. My friends started noticing it too. It would happen always, anywhere between 7 and 10 p.m. Didn't matter what day it was, the days would always change anyway. But it only came if it was just her alone, or if it was just the two of us. A few days ago, this person got more bold though. My friend dragged a mattress into the living room so that I could sleep on it, and her boyfriend and her were going to sleep on the couch. We all stayed there together that night. The sun went down and one side of her window blinds was pulled up a little. If you were standing outside with the height of her home, you could actually see us laying down sleeping. I was getting sleepy but not completely tired enough to close my eyes yet so I got on my phone. If you look out the window as well you can see a flash inside to a gas station. And I laid there and noticed the flash as it illuminated her living room slightly. But then it just disappeared. I thought just how odd that was when I began noticing it. Then, the flashing started about five minutes later and I felt at ease again. A few minutes later though, I heard crunching sounds like someone was stepping on twigs and leaves. I started to tense up a little and locked my phone so that I could focus on what I was hearing. It stopped and so did the flashing light. All I could hear now were my friends lightly snoring and my own breathing. My pulse was now racing. I looked at the window and I saw nothing but a, a black shadow in front of where the light would be. The shadow then turned and the light flashed in through the window again. I sat up slowly and I walked to the window to lower the blinds. The sound of a truck starting up occurred five minutes later and it was at that stage that I began to panic inside. I walked to the bathroom at the end of the house and I opened the curtains to see a truck with its brights on in the driveway from the bank parking lot. Which means that this person crossed a highway on foot just to look inside her home. They also must have waited for 
probably 10 minutes outside of her living room window and just watched us. The next morning I brought this up with her and she just had a look of pure horror. She described how she noticed the truck at the bank and how a friend of hers down the road had an incident where a black truck parked across from her house when she was coming home and eventually pulled into a driveway when they saw a vehicle parked and seemed to know that she was inside. They beat on her friend's door for a few minutes, would leave, then come back to just beat on the door again and they left when her friend's boyfriend arrived. I don't know what's going on here but... All I know is that I need to be aware of my surroundings. I'm going to start recording things too so that I can hopefully notice the little things. So firstly, I would like to say that one, I don't like the word ghost as it implies spirits of the dead. But in reality, Markham's razor implicates me that I only know what is happening to be happening. It could very well have an explanation that is something undiscovered by science that has nothing to do with anything spooky. Two, our experience is universal. We've both seen the same thing at the same time in the same place and we're able to independently describe it from each other. Three, most of the time the activity is not extreme. The most extreme thing that my wife and I had happen was a book flying off the shelf across the room and what we thought was a break-in due to an incredibly loud noise from the bedroom, despite living on the third floor. This is not characteristic of the average occurrence, though. The most consistent thing that happens is around 11.30. The ghost will make a loud noise in a random room. The last time, it was so loud that it made my wife and I both jump, and she said, Wow, did you hear that? The thing that made the noise was apparently a candy jar. Fourthly, Every time that I try to look something up about ghosts, I get really wonky explanations like all ghosts are evil, call a priest, turn to Jesus, or ghosts are just like you and me and have feelings too, you should love your ghost, or some other nonsense that just jumps to conclusions, which isn't really what I'm looking for. And lastly, skeptics always jump to stupid conclusions as well. And then when I shoot all of them down, as my wife and I are actually scientists, they proceed to call us liars because their rationale tells them that he must be lying. I'm not really looking for that one either. So, for a lack of a better term, the haunting started off really subtly. My wife and I would notice things were misplaced. I started getting genuinely worried that we were having a monoxide problem, so I bought a detector, but no, no monoxide things wouldn't ever be massively misplaced. Like, say a toaster appearing in the bathroom cabinet or something like that. More like the toaster has a specific spot on the counter. We're pretty anal about things like this. And suddenly, it's just not in that spot, or on the floor, or tipped over even. We aren't the type to argue, so we would just ask each other, Did you do this? No? Oh, okay, maybe I did? It's gone both ways as well. I found things out of place and I've watched my wife find things out of place. But the worst thing came to was when I finally asked my wife in a non-serious sort of joking manner, are you gaslighting me or something? I had found my computer mouse unplugged and across the room at the time. Now, I kind of know that my wife really couldn't be gaslighting me because, well, I work from home and she just wasn't there when said mouse incident happened. We had a bit of a laugh though and she started talking about how she had noticed some weird things happening too. 
This was maybe uh, three or so months ago, I think, into living into the apartment that we live in. And I decided, okay, well, maybe somehow someone is breaking in. So I called my place of work, explained the situation, and got to where I could work from home for three weeks. And nothing. But still, things would always be moved. However, slowly, things started picking up in terms of activity. At first, it was just objects being moved. And fair enough, maybe we were doing it and forgetting or something. But then it was uh, sounds. We would hear doors open and close in the other room. Our cabinets would open and close, making a bit of a noise. Uh, nothing loud. It never became voices or anything like that. Now, this is pretty characteristic in my field of electromagnetic fields. Some of the stuff that they do to the brain is pretty crazy. In one case, a guy's eye bled and he felt dread and was seeing faces and it was all caused by a powerful electromagnet. So I got out my EMF detector and, again, there's nothing. It's all average. My wife and I were still explaining all of this away though. But then, the book incident occurred. So my wife and I were sitting in our living room and I hear my wife say, Look! And a book is sliding itself off from our shelf. It then flings itself across the room at no one. And we just sort of stared at each other in disbelief. I then said, Don't say it. Write down what you saw, okay? And we did. Thinking that I had had a psychotic spell of some kind, I went to a therapist as well at one stage, explained the entire scenario and... They sounded concerned. Later, after a questionnaire and a few other tests, the therapist talked it off as a one-off occurrence and said that I was reading into nothing too much. But I didn't lie about anything and I was as honest as I could have been. After all of this, though, the worst was definitely yet to come. So we were at home and sitting in the living room and we hear what we can only describe as metal clanging and rattling from the other room. It was really loud too and I ran into the kitchen, grabbed a knife and went to my bedroom door. The sound was still loud and sounded like someone was beating one of my unused bird cages against the wall. I shouted into the room, okay listen up dude, I'm armed. If I have to come in there, I'll use deadly force. I'm counting down from 10 and if you don't come out by then, whatever happens is your own fault. My wife was literally in tears and calling 911. I grabbed the handle, barge into the room, and as soon as I open the door handle, it just all immediately stops. The police show up, take a report, and leave saying, this area rarely has break-ins, and complaining that we even called in the first place. But there's just no way in or out of that room, period. I even researched the entire room later for secret entrances or exits, but it's just simply not possible. There's nothing there. We're three floors up as well, and if someone did climb, then they must have found a way to get both in and out without disturbing the window screen, and found a way to relock the windows as well, even though they can only be locked from the inside, and doing this all in less than 10 seconds. Now, after the police left, my wife and I both sort of swallowed our pride, and had a discussion about how this has to be a, a ghost, or something like a ghost, Man, I hate even saying that. Since then, I've seen plastic and glass objects move, or slide, 
I had a single pencil thrown at me and heard a myriad of doors and cabinets opening and closing. And I had heard all of this before, but just sort of explained it away. We're currently debating on setting up a camera in whatever room that we aren't in, and we're at the point that we want harder evidence now. The ghost, or whatever it is, doesn't bother us when we sleep, which I'm thankful for. I've recorded a sleeping a few times, and there won't ever be any sounds or anything spooky happening. But the most recent thing was the candy jar lid picking itself up and then dropping it on the counter. I didn't see it happen, but I heard it. I was in the room at the time, and tested pretty much literally the entire room for what it could have been. It doesn't appear malicious, whatever it is. More random than anything, but I, uh, I'm wondering if you guys might have any idea of what we might be able to do. So I was about 10 and staying with my grandmother, something that I did and loved for a week every holidays. My grandma lived in a new suburb on the outskirts of our city, because it was new, there were a lot of new immigrants who started to move in there. There was a wave of immigration from Lebanon due to the war there, asylum seekers mainly. This was back in the days when it was a very white Australia, so my 10 year old self found these people sort of strange with their different clothes and stuff like that. Anyway, I was sort of playing by myself, sort of playing with these new kids in the church parking lot down the road from my grandma's. I was the only blonde Anglo out of 20 kids of all ages, 2 years to 12 years, and I think that that's why I may have been singled out, because I really stood out. So, this girl about my age was sort of trying to play with me. She was so foreign to me with her hijab and long black dress in 40 degree Aussie summer that I blurted out to her, why are you wearing such an ugly dress? Because I was raised by very compassionate parents, my shame rose up on me pretty immediately. But no more than when I looked around to see if anyone heard me, there stood a man just staring at me. I thought at the time that he heard me and I was really ashamed and thought that maybe he came over to speak to me about being mean to this girl. Or maybe to tell my grandma or worse, maybe even ring my parents. I was 10 and believed that all adults had a line to each other at the time. I now realize that he wasn't even close enough to hear me, but my 10 year old head at the time thought that him watching me from over 10 meters away, sort of behind a tree for over 2-3 to three hours, was because he was deciding how to punish me for my crime. Anyway, it started to get dark, everyone started to disperse for bath and dinner and bed, I got up and started to walk back. The man started to follow me. He followed me to my grandma's and I ran inside and shut and locked the door immediately. I was actually waiting for his knocks to tell my grandma my crime but instead nothing came. Phew I thought he must have changed his mind. But as I took a sneak peek out the window I saw him go down the side of the house. All I could think was oh no he's going to come in the back door to tell her the shame but again nothing okay thank god just as i was going to bed i looked out my back window and there he was smoking standing under the clothesline still weighing up whether to tell my grandma or not i kept taking sneak peeks and he was still there till i fell asleep 
And the next day, my grandma said that my bedroom fly screen and my bathroom fly screen was off their windows. And that I must have done it because they couldn't just fall off. She also said that I wasn't to try and force my window open if it sticks next time. Because all the window around the window was all chipped up and broken. I told her that no, I didn't do it. But she didn't believe me. She wasn't a, a crotchety grandma though, so she let it go. And you know, for the longest time, I just never really connected that it must have been the man trying to get in. Because it was my window and my bathroom window too. In my head, he was just there to speak to my grandma. So at the time, there was just no connection. I never actually thought of him again as well until just last week. I'm an aware adult now and I think that I just realized how close I may have come to, oh, who knows what. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.